Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Saints of the Lord, God wants to minister to your heart so that you can minister to others. Amen. The prayers that you see answered, the ministry of the Holy Ghost to you is not to stop with you. Amen. That's why it's so important to get everything that God wants to do for you because out of your fullness, you'll overflow to others. Amen. Out of your fullness, you'll overflow to others. If you've seen God give you answer to promises and answers to prayer, you can't help but go to others and say, my God, you got to believe Him. you got to trust Him. This is what the Lord can do for you. This is how God can move in your life. Amen? I can tell you, when I started walking with God, 2005, came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe it was, I think it was October. I think my mama says it was September. Which one was it? I got saved. Amen. (laughs) It was September or October. I'm not sure, but I know it was around this time, September, October, 2005. This, This month is 16 years I've walked with the living God. And I can tell you that within the first year of walking with the Lord, the Lord had given me so many promises, so many promises, so many things that He provoked in my spirit to believe for. Amen? Things that at the time seemed a million miles away and that there was no ability for those things to happen. And I can tell you that today, every one of those have come to pass. And none of them came to pass the way that I would have thought that they would come to pass. (laughs) Every one of them were things that I had to fight for and believe God for and trust Him for. And I often thought that I was fighting for one thing that it at the time seemed like a pointless battle, right? That sometimes it feels like the Lord allows you to fight things that you go, why? I don't understand. And behind those battles are the promises of the Lord. Amen? You know what I'm talking about this morning? Can anybody testify? Maybe everybody doesn't know, but is there somebody that can testify that you say, I didn't know what I was fighting for. I just knew to be faithful to God, I had to fight. And on the other side was an answer from the Lord. Amen? And so Louisiana seemed like something that had nothing to do with the promises of God. I was in North Carolina and at home and making decent money. And God said, leave and go to Bible college in Baton Rouge. Well, that's got nothing to do with any of the things you promised me. Little did I know just about everything that God would do in my life would come from being in Louisiana. 
uh, including getting me a wife. And you say, well, your wife was in North Carolina. How did that, how did taking you away get you a wife in North Carolina? Because it brought some separation to where I didn't run her off because I got to get away and grow up a little bit rather than just stay there and be like, hey, I'm stupid. You want to marry me? Right? So I got to grow a little bit. So she'd want to stick around. Amen. I praise God. At the time, I thought, God, do you hate me? I met this woman and she's beautiful and she's saved and she loves God. Now you tell me to leave and you won't give me liberty to date her. I think you hate me. No, he said, I love you, son. I love you enough to not let her see all that you got right now and go do some work on you before I let her see everything. Amen. And so everything that I've fought on the other side of it has been a promise from the Lord. And I tell you this morning, the, the warfare that happened in this place, there was both a liberty in the spirit and a, an aggression and a conflict. And I tell you, I've got freedom in the Lord. I don't know if you press through, but I do. And I'm encouraged and I believe God. And I believe some of you broke through and saw the promises of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. I'm grateful for that. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that. I didn't intend to tie this in together, but I say to you, it does fit. It does fit with the scripture that we're going to deal with this morning, or at least the overall message. Let's, let's turn to Titus chapter one, Titus chapter one. I have some announcements for you, but we'll do that at the end of service. Amen. We'll do that at the end. Titus chapter one, verse five. And then we'll read We'll read to verse nine. There's a lot more that we could read, but I think we're going to cut it a little short this morning. We've got several scriptures to go to. Titus chapter one, verse five says this. Paul says to Titus, this young man who's followed him, walked with him, served with him, worked in the ministry with him. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. So what, that, what that's telling you is Paul's writing this letter, this young man, because he's on this island called Crete. Paul had gone there with him and they had preached the gospel and saw souls saved and they had planted churches all over that island. And he says, I had to leave to go do a work from the Lord, and I left you here to do a work for the Lord because there was a work that remained. And so he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order. That you might put what remained in order. All right? I want to focus on that thought for a moment. That there is a need for structure. There is a need for organization. There is a need for ministries to be put into place. There is a need for leaders to be raised up in the house of God so that the church can be healthy. Amen? This is for the sake of the church, the health of the church, for doctrine, for ministry, for the gifts of the Spirit to operate. There is a need for things to be put in order. There are a lot of good things there, but they're not in order. Amen? So uh, you can say you bought something from the store and you can say it's the best of the best. I looked at all the... Uh, product descriptions and all the Amazon reviews and every criticism and every praise. And this is the best that there is. And I'm happy to have it, but it's still in the box and it's not put together yet. 
right? It's sort of loose and disorganized. And this good thing to be good needs to be organized and structured. And each part needs to find where it belongs so that it can be for the good that it was created to have. Amen. Does that make sense? Right? What good is a cradle if it's not put together, right? You want to say to your baby, oh, you're cranky, you're tired, we're going to give you a nap. I'm going to set you on this box for a cradle, right? The cradle's on the inside, it's not put together. I'm just going to sit you on top of it and go have a good night's sleep. Go to rest and get some good sleep. That baby's going to say, this box is not very comfortable. I'm grateful that it's a good cradle, but this cradle isn't very comfortable because it's not organized, it's not fulfilling its purpose. Amen? Am I making sense with you this morning? He says there's a good thing. God is at work. God has done things. But for the church to really be what it needs to be, it needs to be put together in its proper order. And so he says for that to happen, he says, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children uh, are faithful or believers, a lot of different ways you could translate that, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. And the idea is they lead their house well. Their children might make decisions that don't reflect their leadership, but it's not because their parents have led them in that direction. It's because they've gone against the culture their parents have set in their home. Amen? Right? It's not saying, hey, if, if one of your children are not saved, then you're disqualified from the ministry. If that were the case, God couldn't lead the church because he says in Isaiah chapter 5, my children have rebelled against me. Right, So he's not going to say to you, you've got children that are rebellion, so you can't serve God. But I've got kids that are rebellion, but I'm still holy. Right, That's not the point. The point is that they're, they're faithful children. In other words, they're being led by their parents to serve God. And he says, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. He says, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then as with this qualification, you also see that Paul says to Timothy in another place, he says that you as the leader of the house of God there in Ephesus, that you must set an example for the believers. Amen? And so this qualification for leaders in the house of God is not to say that leaders have to be more consistent, faithful, holy, righteous, godly than everybody else, right? It's not saying that. Ministers are not held to a different standard. They just have to get there first. Amen? That's what a leader is. Leaders don't go places other people won't go. They just have to go there first. Amen? Does that make sense, right? If I'm leading you from this side of the room to that side of the room, me going to the other side doesn't mean, well, I don't have to go there. It's just the pastor that's got to go there because he's the pastor. No, if I'm leading you, we all are going there. I just got to get there first because I got to lead. I got to be in front. Amen. And so leaders in the house of God, the standards that they're held to are the standards that everyone is to be held to. But the point is the leaders must, must reach a place of maturity so 
so that everyone else can say, if, if I'm following them, I'm on an upward trajectory. Amen? Because where leaders go, everyone else is going. Amen? Does that make sense? Where leaders go, everyone else is going. And so if you're down here, you can't help everyone go up here. Amen? We don't push people up into where God's called them to be. We lead so that they can follow. Amen? And so the point is they need to be leaders in the house of God and they need to reach a level of maturity that other people can look at and say, I want to be where they are. And the point is they should never catch up. Amen? Because if you're up here and they're down here, while you're moving up to meet them, they ought to be going up too. Amen? I praise God. I'm not where I want to be as your pastor, but I can tell you I'm not where I was five years ago. Amen. I'm not where I was a year ago. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I praise God. I'm not where I was two weeks ago. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. If, if where I was two weeks ago is where you're going, may God move you forward. Amen. May God lead you on. And so the point is, he's saying there needs to be structure in the house of the Lord. There needs to be organization in the house of the Lord. And for that to happen, there has to be someone to lead to get God's people to wear they are to go. Can I look with you this morning at the book of Matthew or the gospel of Matthew chapter 28? The gospel of Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 20, chapter 28, you all know this text very well, but we're going to look at it this morning anyway. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, this is just before Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's been crucified, buried, resurrected, declared his victory over the grave, and he's leaving his disciples with a purpose. Amen? He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or keep or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. And so for three and a half years, the apostles, as they are so called, were just disciples, amen? And all a disciple is, is a learner, amen? It's someone who's committed their life to the teaching of another person, not just so that they would know what the teacher knows, but so that they would be what the teacher is, amen? Jesus says that the disciple will become what his master is, what his teacher is. The point of a disciple is not to just learn things, but to become something. Amen? And so they were disciples, and then they graduated to a position of leadership, but they were then to disciple others so that they could lead others and graduate to a position of leadership. And the point is, we're supposed to be equipping the whole body and everyone to be what God's called them to be so that the church can be the church. Amen? So that the church can have the influence on the world that it needs to have. This is the purpose of God, that the church would be used of God to minister to the church. And then a healthy church, a whole church that is ministering to itself, can then minister to others. Amen? And I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we see on the day of Pentecost, Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven. He pours out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're filled. They speak with other tongues. Cloven tongues as a fire appear to them. They're speaking in other tongues. They're filled with courage and boldness and a desire to share this gospel. And all of these people are gathered around. They hear what's happening. They see what's happening. And they're convicted. They're confused about what's going on. And Peter stands up and begins to preach to them. And he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, or nine in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Amen. And so he's putting a description on what's happening. He says, and in the last days, it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. Not to apostles, not on preachers, not on prophets, not on the special, not on those who are uniquely gifted and qualified. The the idea is that there is no specific group of people. It's all people. Amen. If they're people, they qualify. Amen. So can I ask you this morning, are you people? Amen. Are you flesh? Are you created in the likeness and the image of God? Then God's got a purpose for you this morning. Then God desires to pour out the Holy Ghost on your life to use you for his purposes. And he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And so you've got these three things that are described right here. You've got God's people indiscriminately receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. God's people indiscriminately being filled with the spirit of God to empower them for ministry. And then you've got end time events coming to pass where there's a warfare in the heavens. There is a warfare between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, between light and darkness and sin and righteousness. And they're clashing together and the signs of the times are taking place. And while that's happening, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. And when will this happen? In the last days, the last days began on the day of Pentecost and it will end at the return of Jesus Christ. And between those two bookmarks, there's a spirit filled church. There's an end time event where the world is trying to compete with the kingdom of God. And there are people who ought to be getting saved because those spirit filled people are out there ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the day that we live. This is the purpose of the Lord. And the church ought to be getting full of the Holy Ghost. It ought to be being used of God. And people 
ought to be getting saved. Amen. Oh, to the living God, that this would be the craving and the desire of our heart, that we'd be full of the Holy Ghost, that we'd be filled to overflow and that we'd say, Lord, I'm so hungry for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Will you come and minister to me? Will you come and fill my life? Will you come and be overflowing in my life and let me know the fellowship, the communion and the power of the Holy Ghost and God Almighty, let me be a part of that warfare and that conflict while the powers of hell rage, while the powers of darkness wage, while they try to oppress and discourage and weary and persecute and harm. Lord Almighty, let me bless, let me love, let me serve, let me minister, let me declare the truth of God. Let me say to those that are bound, be loosed in the mighty name of Jesus. Let me say to those that are sick, be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Let me say to those that are ignorant and deceived, learn the truth of God. Let me say to those who are weary, be refreshed in the Lord because a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he won't put out. He'll come and bind you and make you whole. He'll come and give fresh oil and let the light keep on burning because God has not called preachers and special men. He's called all of his body to be all that he's called them to be. Amen. This is the purpose of God that God would make all of us prophets on the Lord. Do you realize this was started as a craving in the heart of Moses? Do you remember that? Moses, overwhelmed, burdened with the ministry, instructed by his father-in-law Jethro, anoint 70 men to lead the people of God. Okay, I'll anoint 70 men. I'll call them special men and I'll believe for the spirit of God to be given to them for ministry. Oh, but there are these two wild men out there prophesying, speaking the word of God. Joshua got jealous for the ministry of Moses. Moses, these men are not under your authority. These men weren't selected by you. They're just out there prophesying. They're just out there telling people, thus saith the Lord. And sure, the things that they're saying are coming to pass, but people might be drawn to them and attracted to them. And Moses said, oh, that all of God's people were prophets. Oh, that all of God's people had the anointing of God on their life to see by the Spirit of God, to know by the Spirit of God, to move by the Spirit of It was a craving in his heart. He said, here, there's a ministry of man where I have to answer every question. I have to teach every issue. I have to always lead and always teach everything. And it's all on me. But I'm craving and I'm longing for a day. When the Holy Ghost that took a lonely, purposeless man out in the desert doing nothing but working until he died. And he turned me into a prophet of God and a leader to go out and prophesy and see deliverance come. I saw what happens when God takes a little useless piece of clay and molded it into something for his glory. And I crave that he would do it for all of his people. And this is the blessing of the new covenant. Amen. Isn't it what Jeremiah says? Isn't that what Jeremiah says in his prophecy of the new covenant? And he says, and each of them shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. And no man will teach his neighbor saying, no God, for all of them will know me. 
the greatest of them, the mightiest prophet who's seen the most miracles, the most healings. They preached the biggest crusades. They've known God. They've heard God. God spoke to them like he did the prophets. And he said, go there and go to this street and preach to somebody and you'll see somebody saved. And they'll go to the smallest babe in Christ and say, know the Lord. And they'll go, guess what? I already know him. There's already an intimacy there. There's already an Maybe I've not seen all that you've seen. Maybe I've not seen all the miracles that God wants to do, but I have seen God. Amen? I do know God, and I will become more in Christ Jesus. And so, saints of God, this is the purpose of the Lord, that all of God's people would be anointed by the Spirit of God and that they would be used of God to minister by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, what do these Spirit-filled people do? Amen. What do these spirit-filled people do? Look with me at verse 42. Verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. teaching from the Word of God, spending time together and sharing life together, eating meals together and praying together. Spirit-filled people said, I want to be with the body and I want to spend time with the body. I want to learn and grow. I want to pray together. And the point is that they were to be growing in their faith so that they could minister to other people. Amen? That was the point. The ministry of the Spirit was first of all to each other. Amen? They just gathered together. I'm full of God and it draws me to the body. It sends me to the body. I'm compelled to be a part of the body. And as I'm part of the body, I'm ministering to the body and the body is ministering to me. And then what happens in the midst of all of this? We see the book of Acts chapter 6. Look with me at Acts chapter 6. I know that you know this, but we're going to look at it anyway. Acts chapter 6. In verse 1, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, right? So they're just, they're just filled with the Holy Ghost. They're loving and serving one another. They're sharing the Word of God. And the number of them is growing. People are getting saved. People are being drawn in, right? That same Acts 2 promise, Spirit's being poured out. Conflict and the heavens are going on. People are getting saved. Amen? And it says, in these days when the number of the, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist or the, uh, the Greek Jews, those who were Greek-speaking Jews, they were sort of, they were Jews, they were faithful, they attended the temple, but they were culturally seen as not as faithful as the, the Jews who were born in the homeland. And so they weren't getting the same ministry to their widows as the other. A complaint of the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And so they say, there's a conflict going on in our community. And you know what it is? It's not a time to go, oh, it's the last days and the world's in conflict and the church ought to hunker down and go, oh, that world's so terrible out there. They say, there's a problem in our community. Let's rush in and do something about it. Amen. Here is an opportunity to be the church. Amen. And so it says in verse 2, 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation or good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And when they had... And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient. To the faith. And so they said, here is a ministry opportunity. Here is a chance for the church to be the church, to do what God wants to be done in the earth. And so you know what we need? We're full of the spirit. We love one another. We're a body. God is moving, but we need to be organized. Amen. We need to get organized. Can I tell you, I I remember in my thinking, thinking that organization and structure were the enemy of getting filled with the Holy Ghost, right? If we're filled with the Spirit, there's no clocks in the sanctuary. If we get out at 3 o'clock, that's good. And there's no structure to anything. We just, I'm led by the Spirit. And I don't want to submit to man. And I don't want to be led by all of these things. That's just the way that I thought. There was some, some mindsets there. But I'll tell you, that's not the way that the apostles thought, right? That's not the way that the word of God was written. All throughout the word of God, you see that God is calling his people to organize things for the health and the blessing of that thing. God put Adam in the earth. He prepared this garden for him. And he said, I made this place as a home for you, but the rest of this world has got to be put in order. Amen. And so I need a man to work the ground. And so he said, have dominion over it, work the ground, subdue everything and bring it in to order. And all the time when we see the devil working in the word of God, he brings chaos and disorder. Amen. And this is the principle of the word of God. Chaos is a curse. Amen. Chaos is a curse and order is a blessing. Amen. Chaos is a curse and order is a blessing. And the people who were filled with the spirit of God and love God said, we have an opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. We have an opportunity. Our culture is in upheaval and we've got a chance to do something about it and we've got to get organized. And so the apostles said, choose seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I thought that it was promised that that this is what God would do, that everyone would be full of the spirit of God. That is the promise. That's what God wants to do. But not everyone receives and walks in what God wants. Amen? You got to choose from among yourselves those who say, I know that I've got a promise to be filled with the Spirit of God, but I want to walk in that promise. I'm going to yearn for that promise. I'm going to pursue that promise, or else it wouldn't be a qualification, would it? Amen? He's saying we need to see on their life the marks of fullness. We need to see on their life the marks of authority and power, the marks of a genuine love of Christ. Amen? Not just speaking in tongues, not just prophesying, not just worship. Those things are good. Amen? Aren't those things good? Aren't there witnesses and manifestations of being filled with the Spirit of God? But how many tongue-talking devils have you known? Amen? Right? I know people speak in tongues. I wouldn't put in charge of the India bake sale. Right? I don't want them selling cookies in the name of Jesus. Right? Oh, come on. We can laugh and be holy this morning. 
And so you're to pick out these men of good reputation. In other words, they've lived in a way that people, all the people look at them and say, they ain't perfect, but they're sure striving after Jesus. Amen? They're of good reputation. He says, full of the Spirit of God and of wisdom. They need to understand how things work and be able to agree together because one of the first things that wisdom does is it humbles you. Amen? Truly wise people are humble people. Amen? This is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. Amen? If you've seen God, you've honored Him and you've feared Him. You've seen that He's big and you're small. Amen? There aren't any arrogant people who fear God. Amen? And so they're humble people. And if they're humble people, they can work together with other people because they don't think just because I think it means it must be right. Right? Oh, come on this morning. Where you at this morning? Amen? Well, that thought just flew through my head. And so I thought it, and it's got to be the only way. Nope. God can give you wisdom and me wisdom and this person wisdom, and we all might see a different way to do it, but I'm humble enough to go, you know what? Maybe your idea will work better. Let's do it your way. That's okay. Amen? I will let you have a good idea, and I'll work to see it come to pass. You want to talk about a witness of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen? I've heard this over and over again, and I can tell you it's true. You want to find out how spiritual somebody is, find out what they say when they're told no. Amen? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you hear your way is not the only way? Amen? Can you hear your way is not the best way? Amen? I've had people look to me and go, well, what do you want to do, Pastor? Well, I don't know nothing about that. What do you think? Amen? You tell me. I'll think about it, pray about it. If I still don't know, I'll talk to the elders and the board and the deacon. If I got to, I'll call somebody. And we'll pray. But you know, if you know more than me, you tell me what you think, and we'll pray about that. Amen? I can tell you, half the reason this church is here is because God gave some other people in this church good ideas. Amen? Praise God. The reason we're in this building right now is because when we had board meetings about how bad the other building was, somebody said, well, we need another building. Well, we can't afford another building. Okay, well, great idea, but we can't do that. Well, is God big or not? Amen. Where's Joe Fontenot at? Is he here this morning? No. Where's Sister Sandy? No. Tell her. Amen. She's a nurse. Well, somebody tell her after service. You can tell Brother Joe. We talked about him this morning. He just said in one of the middle of our meeting, was God big or not? Like, all right. Well, okay. All right. I can get rebuked. That's all right. I'm the pa- pastors can get rebuked. That's all right. Amen. Well, let's take it to God and pray and see what God does. Hey, God did something. Amen. And so wise people are humble people, full, good reputation, full of the spirit, wisdom, and we will appoint this duty. We'll give them a responsibility. So spirit-empowered men to wait tables. Amen? Amen? You need to be filled with the spirit of God. You need to be filled with wisdom to wait tables. Amen? They weren't evangelists to the nations. They weren't preachers that went out and did everything. Just, hey, you're anointed of God. Can you wait these tables for us? Amen. And out of serving, what came? Ministry. Other anointings, right? 
the same Stephen that's out there waiting tables and washing tables and taking care of things. Before you know it, these widows are there. If you're a widow in the Middle East in that time, your life is pretty destitute and discouraged. And all of a sudden, he's preaching to them and ministering to them and ministering to them by the word of God, encouraging them, telling them about Jesus. And he learns by preaching to widows that nobody else wants to take care of how to go and argue against the Pharisees. Amen? Amen? Stephen, that probably a great deal of Paul's salvation and his knowledge about Jesus and the gospel came through hearing Stephen preach before they killed him. Amen? And you know how he started? Waiting tables. What if the greatest evangelist and teacher the world has known since Paul comes because somebody's willing to work in the nursery and wipe her ear ends? Stephen was willing to say, I got an anointing on my life. You want me to wait a table? Where's the apron? Amen? You know how the apostles started their ministry? Hey, we're going to have Passover. Somebody go book a room. You anointed us earlier to go out and cast out demons, preach the gospel, see people saved, and now we're doing the work of secretaries? We're not booking rooms. Great. We'll book rooms. We'll order food. And we're getting a donkey for you to ride into Jerusalem. Oh, the glories of ministry, right? Yeah, but there will be a day where people will try to get in your shadow. Because the Spirit of God doesn't come on arrogance. Amen? So God works in their life through that little obedience, that little work to serve the Lord. And it says through that, and the word of God continued. It is specifically in the context of people becoming deacons, servants, and then waiting on the least of these that this next line comes out of verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase and the numbers of the disciples greatly multiplied in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. A great many of the most influential people in Jerusalem got saved because somebody was willing to wait tables, right? My friend, Pastor Troy Bond in New Orleans, I've seen this man preach the gospel on Bourbon Street for years, be so faithful to the ministry. I'm talking about, I've seen him cast demons out of people, love people, seen people in the most deviant of sexual behavior that expected to be judged and hated, and he just grabbed them and loved them like a father, only a father could. And I saw them wilt under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And then when Hurricane Ida came in and destroyed everything, they just got as many people with chainsaws and food trucks as they could and served people. And the next thing you know, the mayor of New Orleans and, and uh, Gretna are talking about him in the news and talking about uh, his ministry and how much the church has stepped up to care for people. And he's gotten a great influence there in that place by saying, here's tragedy, let's step in. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Who knows how our service will be multiplied by the Lord. And so I'll say to you, last scripture this morning, last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I say all this to you because what I want to tell you is that the whole body is called the ministry. Amen. You know what? Now that we're, I'm not so busy as, as I was before with the school and all of that. Chris is here and I'm drawing back and getting some perspective. You know, one of the things that I realize is what has taken so much of my time, this school, 
we hardly talk about in church. We just are, and it's the most important ministry that we have. And we just don't talk about it enough. These teachers that are in there every day laboring to teach math and science and history in the context of a biblical worldview and to teach them the word of God. If you would see the things that are being taught in social studies class, you would know why this labor is so dramatically important, why it's worth such difficult sacrifice and an awful price to pay. Because it is such an important ministry. Because people are being taught a godless worldview out in this culture. And to have people in there teaching about Jesus. We need to be praying for this school. We need to be believing for this school. We need to be asking God to make this school holy and righteous and a haven of truth and godliness. And our teachers, most of them are our church members, are in there laboring and working, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and ministering to these students. And it is a beautiful and glorious thing. It is an incredible outreach of this church. And we need to talk about how the ministry of the body is each person empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of the ministry. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in all or in everyone. And so each gift that God gives, he puts in people and he's the one that makes it come to life and use it for his glory. But these things are only manifested in the context of the body. Amen. In the context of the body. Listen, in verse 12, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though through though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are parts, yet one body. So this is in the context of the gifts. And so the gifts that God gives are manifest in ministry to the body. And so I say to you this morning, if you're saved, if you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been born again and the Holy Ghost is in your life, there is a gift that he has put into your life. And you say, I have no gifts. Nothing is ever ever manifest. You know how they're manifest? Get in the body and serve the body. Amen? And two things will happen the gifts that you do have will come to the surface. You will see needs. You will see things that need to happen. And as you're moved to compassion, you pray and you believe, things will be stirred up in your life that you'll say, they've got a need and I've got something to meet that need. 
Amen. God wants to do something in them and he's given the supply through my life. And then the other thing that will happen is the things that you are not called to do, that you're not gifted to do, will become manifest. Can I tell you, there are things that I've discovered in my life that as I've served this body, preached to this body, ministered to this body, is I've seen needs and I felt like I had to meet all of those needs. And I tried and labored and prayed and sought God and asked God to do it and finally began to realize I'm not able to do this because that's not what God's called me to do. Amen? And so there's somebody else that God wants to raise up in this body to do those things. Amen? And I'm trying to meet that need and God's not called me to meet that need. Amen? And so we are not, none of us are the Swiss army knife of the Lord where we just go, you know what? I got all the gifts, got all nine of them. I'm everything. I'm apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I'm also uh, got the gift of prophecy and healing and the word of knowledge and discernment and wisdom. All of it, I've just got it. You need anything, come to me. It's just Brandon Trot all slash, forward slash all of that dot com. That's not me. You know who I am? I am what Jesus has made me to be and what I lack you have. Amen. Amen. What I lack, you have. And as we learn to serve one another and learn to minister to one another, the gifts of the Lord will come to pass. Amen? The gifts of the Lord will be manifest. I remember a few years ago, the Lord put it in Susie's heart. She began to serve with this school. And all she was, she was going to be a little secretary. She was going to sit up front, answer phones. We were going to tell her how to turn the computer on and how to do everything. She was going to do it. And before you know it, I'm going calling her into my office, the principal's office, right? Going, hey, hey uh, Sue, what, what you think we need to do? <laughs> right? And talking to her, and gifts came out of her. Administration came out of her. Leadership came out of her. And now she's going to school to be a nurse. Can you imagine? Amen. Give the Lord praise for that. Can you imagine how the Lord would use that in that ministry? I mean, Lord, if you want to do ministry, become a nurse, right? I mean, you just, right, the things that you can do to minister to people, but the gifts that become manifest in the need, right? She wasn't sitting at home going, you know what? I would like to be over students, right? And I would like to take some of the things Pastor Brandon's doing off of his shoulders, right? That is not what she was thinking, right? Um, And so, you know what? All she did was she stepped in and started serving, and all of a sudden, needs that were there, she began to see, and we began to see there's gifts here, and there's abilities there by the Spirit of God. They need to be nurtured and helped along, but they're there. Amen? Now, it was too many of those things, and it burned her out. (laughs) We just, we burned that whole candle in one night. Like, it's a three-month candle. Nope, one night. We're just going to take it all. But but the Lord stirred things and moved things in her heart. And I tell you, as we begin to serve one another and minister to one another as the body, gifts will come to the surface. Amen? But the body's organized. Amen? Any of you got a toe on the side of your head? Anybody? Anybody, anybody got a finger between? Don't look now. Don't look. Don't look at your spouse. Anybody got a finger behind their, their kneecap, Right? It says that he puts the members in the body where he wants them. Amen? And so what we need to do is learn to serve the body, find out where we fit, and the gifts will manifest. Amen? And so now, back to Titus. (laughs) You don't have to turn there. A very short statement at the beginning. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. 
And so I can tell you what's in my heart is a new vision for structure in the church, a new vision for structure in the church. There are things that we've been trying to work on for years that in part are my fault because I was, well, not my fault, but were my responsibility that we just weren't really able to get those ministries off the ground because I didn't have the ability to spend time investing into people, nurture them in the gifts and the purpose and the callings that they have, right? Some people would try to do things that they just needed more hands-on help than I was able to give them at the time. I'm grateful for that ministry. I'm grateful for those that stepped up. But there are things that need to take place, right? We need uh, we need more time spent on our men's ministry. Me and Pee-wee were going to have a meeting this week and it didn't work. Um, but we're going to meet sometime soon to talk about wanting to do more with the men's ministry. We haven't had a... a full functioning women's ministry in years and Sister Fifi's done things and helped serve that and minister to that, minister to the ladies, um, but we haven't been able to do that. That needs to take off. We, we, we need a women's ministry. I hear from so many ladies, they need fellowship, they need to be encouraged. Younger ladies who are craving for older women who've walked with God for a long time to pour into their life and to minister to them and to encourage them. Um, we need a membership process. I had someone ask me a little while ago, what's, the, per, what's the, the process for becoming a member? I said, come for a while, be consistent, start tithing and, and serve the body. And eventually we're like, yeah, you've been here long enough. You're a member, right? Right? And, and you are a member before you go through a process, right? Because to be a member just means you're part of the body, right? Membership is not membership because your name's on a piece of paper. Membership is because you're a member in the body, amen? You're attached to the body. It describes it this way in Ephesians, their hearts being knit together in love, right? Like, like a graft where you, you were part, of, you were a vine, but you're a wild vine, and now you're planted into this vine, and now there, that a uh, place where you've been connected is healed and whole and the sap is flowing to it and you're growing fruit through what's being ministered to you and you're supplying back to the vine. And so there's a reciprocation going on between you and the body and you're a member. But we need to recognize that because one of the things that's happened over the years is we've had people come into the church, be a part of the church, and then I'm very busy. Pastor Daniel's been very busy. Lots going on. A lot of people were ministering to, the, to in the body. And then people will disappear and we don't see them for two and three months. And then we'll go, hey, where's that person, right? Have you seen them? I haven't seen them. Do you have time to call them? Uh, not this week. I'll try and call them next week. Well, if we had a more structured membership and a way to reach out to them, you know what? I wonder if they're sick. Here's the person we talk to Every time we don't see somebody for a while, can you call this person, check on them, see how they're doing? Can you stop by their house? If they're sick, can you take them some food? Can you take them a card? We need to work on a membership process. Also, another thing that we need, not just a membership process, but we need a way to get people involved in ministry. We need a servant's class because here's one of the things that's happened over the years. We have people come, they love the Lord, they have gifts, they want to serve the body, but we don't have enough structure. We begin to put them into ministries. Sometimes they're not accountable. They don't understand what it means to be accountable. They start doing something and then you tell them no and they get upset and then they don't want to serve anymore and they just want to sit there and scowl for a couple Sundays. And after scowling for long enough, then they leave, right? Well, that's not totally their fault. 
they need to understand going in, hey, if you're a servant, servants get told what to do, right? I'm the pastor and I've had, have sometimes have to have people tell me, hey, pastor, I don't think this is right. You know what? I probably need to change the way that I'm doing that. Amen? I'm accountable to Pastor Daniel. I'm accountable to our elders and our deacons, right? And so we need processes for serving in ministry, where if you want to be in, a, in the ministry, here's how we do that. Here's how we get you involved. Here's how we vet that process. I'd like to have Sunday schools. I'd like to have a discipleship program. If we're to make disciples, Sunday morning isn't enough. And coming on Wednesday night and just getting a second sermon isn't enough. We need to have a discipleship program where we can take people who've been saved, but they've never been discipled, and we can take them through that discipleship program. We need people that they're saved and they know a lot, but they don't know about us, and we need to be able to take them through a program where we make sure you fit here, right? Because last thing we want is to put them into minister or have them doing things, and then they, we realize, oh, what they believe doesn't line up with what we believe, and they're saved, but we're just not meshing and jiving together. And so if you want to be a, a servant here, you need to know what we believe and how we do things so that you can be a part of that. Can I tell you something that really, really, really is on my heart is home and small group fellowships. Fellowships for us to be able to get together. We've talked about different ways of doing that. I don't know exactly how that would work. I remember years ago, we did home group fellowships. We took the Sunday morning message. We turned that into a study just so there got to be back and forth. And I had never been involved in anything like that before. And so my version of us studying what we preached on Sunday was basically I re-preached the whole message for 45 minutes and we had, you know, a long worship and I'm, I'm trying to pray for 20 and 30 minutes and then do this message and everybody's sitting there falling asleep on the couch. Well, that's good, but some of us got to be up at three in the morning, right? Some of us got to be up at what, one or one thirty in the morning to go to work, right? And so how do we do that? I don't know everything, but I know this. I know that whatever we do, it needs structure and order. And the way they did things in the book of Acts with the church in Jerusalem, sometimes they had to work things out in a different way in Ephesus. Sometimes they had to do it in a different way in Crete, right? They just had to work it out, figure it out. There were general guiding principles, but there are things we got to figure out. They didn't have uh, oil field uh, crews uh, in in the book of uh, Acts, right? So two weeks on, two weeks off. Well, this is how we do the discipleship program. Well, there are people that they're only here for two weeks out of the year, then they're offshore for two weeks. How do you do that? Oh, well, we got to tailor that to them. And so the point is this, we need order, we need structure, and I desire to see those things come to pass. What I want to do, this is what's in my heart as well for evangelism. We need an evangelism course. I've talked to you all the time about going out and sharing the gospel but I imagine there's some of you that want to share the gospel and you just don't know how. Well, we're, we need to have an evangelism course. And so these are the things that are in our heart. I don't know when we're going to start, which first or how we're going to do it. But one of the things that I would like to do is I want to put together a group of people to discuss these things and put some of them in order. I will let you know from here, I'm not asking for volunteers to be on the board, okay? Because... What I want to do is ask people that I know that have been coming, that are consistent, and that I know that I can trust, right? Not asking you to be on the board is not an accusation against you. It just may be that your schedule doesn't fit or you've not been coming long enough or whatever it is. So I'm telling you, we're going to put together a group of people to do that. 
We're not asking for people to come and volunteer. I don't want you to get your feelings hurt, okay? Just letting you know, amen? I don't want to say to you, well, you've come, but then you didn't come, and then you came, and you didn't come. Now you want to be a board on for something you're not sure that you want to be here for. Well, maybe that's not a good idea, all right? So we will be putting together a group of people, probably involving all the elders and deacons and some that have been involved in other ministries like this and other churches are here and just have conversations to say, these are the things we're thinking about. And what my my desire is with you is that you would pray for us for that, all right? Organization and structure are not my gifts, not my gifts, all right? Pastor Nathan came a few years ago to help with organization and structure. Don't laugh, Sue, don't laugh. That's not fair, you know. It's all right. Everybody knows it. Nobody else laughed, so the Lord judge you. (laughs) But (laughs) she didn't think I would see. Uh, It's in the old church. Sitting in the back ain't that far. It's close. I can see. All right, so Pastor Nathan was here, and he helped add a lot of structure and organization to the school. Um, Chris Steele's here. He has done a marvelous job with helping us with things like that. And so we're going to involve people that that is their gift and that is the way that they think. Um, and so we're just going to put, try and put those things together and we will be as biblical as we can be. We'll be as sensitive as we can. And this is what I ask, that you would set your heart to be a part of that, that you would set your heart to be a part of it. And you might say, well, that's not the way that I would do it. You know what? It may not be the way that I would do it either, but all we're going to do is see what fits for our body. Amen. So we're praying, we're seeking the Lord, we're going to talk to other churches and ministries, we're going to put things together, and I ask you to participate as much as you can, share the vision, and it's not only for you, but it's for those that will come after you, amen? I can tell you this, there are those that I have in my heart to ask them to be a part of classes that I know they're probably not going to learn a whole lot new, but it's not so that they can learn it for the first time, it's so that we can disciple them to learn it so that they can tell other people, amen? I can tell you as a pastor, just because you understand something doesn't mean you can explain it very well. I remember after Bible college, four years of somebody else pouring into me and teaching me and helping me, and I thought, man, I'm so ready to preach. And I would hear others preach, and I would think, I wouldn't say it that way. They need to say it like this and say it like this and say it like that. And my head was full of all that knowledge, and I got up there to preach it, and what was in my head was a steak and potatoes and just perfectly glazed asparagus. I mean, it was just laid out, this four-course meal, and what came out was just bleh. It was not <laughs> nothing anybody wants to eat, right? It was those things put into a blender and poured on your plate and the most ugly thing you've ever seen in your life, right? And you say, technically there's meat in there, but I don't want to eat it, right? Um, and so, you know, that's there's a difference between knowing something and being able to communicate it to them, amen? And I can tell you that I'm just learning to be able to communicate to children, Amen? For the first few years, I would try to minister in children's church, and I would have had better look if I poured gas on myself, lit myself on fire, and rolled on the floor. I might have been able to have kept their attention while I tried to talk to them about Jesus. I just wasn't good. I could not keep their attention. They're like, who is this man that is boring us to death? Oh, God, are we judged, right? Like, why did you send him here, right? And so what I want is for us all to participate and do it together. Amen? So that we can minister to one another, but also pave the way to minister to those that will come after. Amen? To minister to those that will come after. 
This is what Pastor Daniel and I talked about several years ago. We were praying and believing God because we want people to be saved. Amen. We want people to save. We want them to grow in the Lord. And it is not for the sake of having more people come just for people to come because we, we got plenty to do, right? Last thing we need is more to do. So it's not because we want more people for the sake of more people. It's that we want to see people saved and grow in the Lord. But what we talked about years ago was if people came in, would we be able to steward that well? And the answer was a simple no, right? We could get fish. If we got fish in the boat, we wouldn't be able to clean them, right? We just are not prepared to make disciples the way that we need to. And so we need to put processes in order. And so my, my question to you is, or my encouragement to you is to be praying with us for the Lord to help us to put things in order and for you to be a part of that order. Amen? That's my, that's my plea to you. Would you do that with me this morning? Can we agree? So this is, I've talked to you. Now I want, now I want you to talk back to me. We're going to respond. And so what I'm asking is for you to share the vision with us to see that, to see the body as whole and healthy and ministering to one another and say, Lord, how can I help the body be whole? How can I find my place and be what you've called me to be in the body, each joint supplying? Amen? Ephesians chapter four, each joint supplying to the growth of the body. Amen? And so I tell you, if you're saved, you're a part of the body, And God intends not only for you to grow by the body ministering to you, but for you to minister to the body. Amen? It's a a reciprocation. It's a give and take. It's I sow into you and you sow into me and we serve one another. Amen? And so, you know, we're going to need more people to help with nursery, right? If we're going to have people come in, people get saved, grow, and the body grow, it's going to be more work in the nursery. We're going to need more help with that. One of the things we need, the children's ministry. Right now it goes from what, 4 to 10 or 11. That's a big range. It would help a lot if we could split it up, 4 to 6 or 7, and then 7 or 8 to 10. We would need more volunteers, right? If we want to do more with the men's ministry, we'll need more volunteers. If we need a women's ministry, if you can look at the women's ministry and see people that say, I need to be ministered to. I need fellowship with other sisters in the Lord. I need to be poured into. Then somebody's got to step up. And so I don't know if that's you. You may not know if that's you, but you know this, Lord, whatever you want, I want to be a part of it. Show me where I belong. And what may happen is the Lord may put callings and gifts and vision in you, and it may be doing this, and what you may start off as is scrubbing tables. Amen? But the scrubbing tables, you might see a Saul become a Paul. Amen? And so I just say to you that you would seek the Lord, because what we're not doing is just striving to be busy, right? I have been very busy. I've been part of church where every night on the calendar is filled, and that ain't what I want. But what I do want is the obvious things that we say there are needs in the body. We need to meet those needs. Amen? And so the Lord will show us, and over time, these things will take place. But we've got to believe together and participate together for it to happen. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that your gifts are being poured into us. Your purposes are in us. You've got a work for us to do. 
Lord, you've called us to be gifts to the body. And Lord, I ask you that you would give us a vision and a desire to be knit together in love and to serve one another and minister to one another. Because Lord, there is a world out there that cannot stand for us to be unprepared to minister to their needs. The church full of the Holy Ghost with a move of God was ready when the world said, we've got a need. The church could say, I'm ready to fill it and see more souls come into this kingdom. Lord Almighty, we ask you, make us ready. Give us the anointing. Let us be full of wisdom. Let us have a good reputation that we've lived Christ before this world. Let us have the wisdom of the, war, of the Lord. And Lord, let us be ready to lo- love and serve the body and serve the world. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.